1: Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
2: The transfer window has slammed shut. And now it's on with the football. And to keep the bang mob satisfied, the fixture gods have cooked up a Saturday schedule full of historic grudge matches. The Milan Derby, the Old Firm, the Merseyside Derby, and Fiorentina against Juventus all on the same day. Ooh, baby. Oh, and by the way, Manchester United host Arsenal. I'm joined by Mike Lahood and Jonathan Johnson to break it all down. Que golazo weekend preview begins right now. Everybody, welcome to Lasso. Thank you so much for being part of the family. We appreciate you. YouTube.com forward slash Kegolasso, Kegolasso pod on Twitter. Help us grow, baby. Well, as we are taping, the transfer window is still going, but as you are listening, The transfer window is shut, so we will pretend that that is the case. It's been an absolutely insane, insane transfer window with many, many storylines. Michael LaHood, have you gotten out of that magician's box yet? I can see it.
3: (laughs) Well, I can tell you. Here's the photo booth right here. Light on, light off. Light on, right off. (laughs) Taking pictures. Because Manchester United are back. The transfer window is closing. I got my coffee on the pot. Haven't had it in my system. You will know what I'm blathering about, but – So happy to be on the show.
2: I love it, Mike Lacoud And Jonathan Johnson, I would say, how are you? I'm not even going to get into it, but it's good to see you. My friend, all ready for the weekend preview or what?
4: yeah absolutely uh pretty pretty pumped up for it just relieved the villa have a guy who can score from corners because then if we didn't have him i'd be completely depressed but no i was just uh, giggling at the idea of michael hood in the magician's box Got like this mental image of him with like a few like dollars like uh on the desk next to him that he's just gonna like reach outside the uh the photo booth that he's in and uh and keep the lights on
2: absolutely just don't cut him in half please Uh, we we need him welcome everybody welcome to our weekend preview uh Uh, Some may say the best episode of the week. We'll see. Mm. The Champions League returns next week, by the way. So plenty more content to come. And if you haven't checked it all out as well, by the time you listen to this or even watch this, we also have a transfer window recap as well. That should be a fun one and plenty more to come, including the weekend recap at the end of the weekend. But let's get going regarding the preview and looking ahead to this weekend's matches. And as we mentioned in the intro, my goodness, it's grudge game all over, baby. Let's begin with the Milan derby. Milan against Inter Milan, 12 p.m. noon Eastern, which, by the way, you can exclusively watch on Paramount Plus and CBS Sports. Don't forget about that. Straight away, before we get into the game, though, let's talk about some off-field situations with the milan Derby, Jonathan Johnson. Because we've got, first of all, the Yankees, right? My New York Yankees joining the Redbird Capital in a $1.2 billion takeover. That also includes, by the way, uh, Drake and, and LeBron James as well. Looking good for Rossoneri, Serginio Dest, an AC Milan player as well. I'm sure Mike will chime in. But, JJ, AC Milan doing a lot of business as they obviously embark on not just defending Scudetto, but also getting into the Champions League. And now they face their bitter rivals Inter Milan. How have you seen AC Milan getting ready in this offseason towards this big game?
4: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's um, it's it's funny, sort of the the timing, because I, I feel like we were we were talking about the Milan takeover months ago, um, you know, and obviously now it has been completely finalised. Uh, you know, the the different financing of the the deal has been sorted out. Personally, um, obviously, uh, you know, thinking about things from a French point of view, I'm I'm wondering how it's going to impact Toulouse long term. But also, let's not forget, you know, it's the same group or part of the same group is also invested in Liverpool as well. So, you know, we'll see if there is, you know potentially some sort of conflict of interest at some point in the future but you know no doubt that milan now for me you know sort of since the title win they they really feel primed for like a return to the elite um you know last season didn't go the way that they wanted to on the european stage but we've discussed that or touched on it kind of in recent weeks and i think that they will be a lot more competitive um in europe this uh this season uh, and you know i think these kind of games are ideal preparation for them to get back into the swing of things in the champions league uh, and i I'm excited. I mean, you know, AC Milan, for me growing up, were just one of the giants of the game, sort of up there in terms of, you know, uh, know, prestige along with Real, along with Barca, you know, probably more so than Barca, actually, because Barca didn't really sort of you know, get to that level until sort of a bit later, uh, sort of certainly in my lifetime. Uh, you know, so Milan were always one of those kind of like classic names. And now it really feels like they actually have the the, the capabilities to, to really put themselves back on the footballing map in the way that they used to be, uh, you know, for for nostalgics like me.
3: I remember tuning into to Champions League matches when Milan were at the top of Europe, and it was as if his royalty was coming into the San Siro. And when you have Drake and LeBron, that is royalty. That is pop culture royalty, sports royalty, rap, hip-hop royalty. And there's a feeling of AC Milan are back. Can they take that next level with the infusion of cash, with the infusion of just notable names and personalities and put it on the field in Europe's biggest stage? And I can't tell you, man. I can't wait to see Drake in the San Siro with OVO bottles of Cristal Dom Periam. And the biggest question will become what's he going to do when Liverpool? And Milan play each other in the Champions League final. Is he going to wear like the parents do, where they stitch the jersey down One the middle? Like,
2: that also, is such a Drake move, by the way. No, <laughs> you know what he's going to do. He's going to go to this Milan derby, right, and wear an Inter shirt. That, that, mm, that's, yep. that's a Drake. That's a Drake. But
4: you know, you know, you know what they say about the Drake curse as well. When he's like pictured with some of the players, and then they lose form. Like, what happens <laughs> if he's part of like the official photo shoots or something?
2: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He will be literally that meme where he's just like, no, nah, an Ace Milan will lose. But it's a good point. <laughs> and Mike, real quickly, though, the, the, regarding Ace of Milan, before we talk about the Derby itself. Sergio Dest, I mean, it's confirmed. Uh, Fabrizio mm-hmm. Romano confirmed it uh, yesterday. Full agreement. It's a loan with a buy option for around 20 million euro, which is not mandatory. Dest is going to sign until June 2027. You know, potentially a four year deal flying to Milan. Uh, you know, literally already there, I believe. What are your thoughts about that? Because, you know, this is a big move for for Serginio Dest, who was looking for minutes finally.
3: I think it's a great move because he's going up against Florenzi and it's a good matchup for him. For, Florenzi isn't one of the best outside backs in Serie A. AC Milan are so left side dominant, something we'll talk about during this matchup as we preview the, the derby matchup between them and Inter. And there's good opportunity for him to battle Florenzi. Dest will give you the ability to get forward, but also I think he's a better defender 1v1 getting back on defense. His ability to cross the ball will have to improve, though, in Serie A because the likes of Olivier Giroud will be dependent on that.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think that it's, uh, it, for me, it's a really interesting uh, fit, uh, you know, with Dest. I, I was actually quite high on the idea of him going to VRL before the interest from Milan came in. It's funny, like, as soon as that uh, takeover was announced, suddenly the rumors started. So, you know, very clearly, I think, uh, you know, the new ownership want that sort of statement signing, certainly, you know, with an eye towards the, the US market. Uh, and I agree with you, you know, Florenzi, having seen him up close at PSG, I, I think he's a bit underrated, but his best sort of role, I think, is is sort of as a squad player, somebody who can come in from time to time, but he's not necessarily like that long-term starting fit. And I think for Dest, you know, he... I mean, it feels like he's been around for ages, but he is still very, very young, you know, in his early 20s. Uh, you know, and I think that is an opportunity for him to establish himself over the long term somewhere, uh, you know, and to really find a good fit because, you know, there's no better place to come through as a youngster than Ajax. And unfortunately, although it looked like it could be a good move on paper when he went to Barca... Everything that's happened with Barca sort of over the last, uh, you know, six to 12 months has kind of thrown everything up in the air for so many players who look like good fits there, uh, you know, and now have to find, uh, you know, new homes. So I like this one. Uh, and I think that it could be a, a good long term fit. We'll see if there are some some teething uh, issues, but uh, I don't think Dest is going to struggle too much. And that will be a huge boost for the USMNT, especially sort of with an eye on the World Cup at the end of the year
2: very quickly on Inter Milan uh guys JJ back to you uh just you know they they're set to sign Francesco Servi on loan from Lazio I believe uh, including a buy option clause. Again, that's from Fabrizio Romano, by the way. We're saying this as we tape, so maybe some movements by the time you listen. Uh, Inter still you know, needed a centre-back as well, so there's some movement. I was reading as well about Jordi Alba. Do you think uh, by the time this window shuts, J.J., Inter are ready to finally reclaim that Scudetto throne, or is it maybe a little uh, too hard specifically now the way that AC Milan are pushing?
4: Honestly, I don't think that Inter will regain the Scudetto. Uh, I think Milan stand a better chance of defending it than Inter have of of retaking their crown. And I think actually sort of longer term... Inter have blown their opportunity to sort of become the dominant force in Italian football. I think that Milan now have a perfect opportunity with, you know, stable ownership. I, I think unfortunately, you know, the 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 way that Inter's owners have, have sort of run the club over the last couple of years with their financial issues, it means that you know they're never far away from selling off a key piece. I mean, we're taping this a couple of hours before the transfer window ends. PSG's key transfer target over this summer has been been Milan Scrinina. And you know, if if they end up making a move for him pushing and offering a price that Inter can't, you know, turn down suddenly that's a big hole in that Inter side with hours left in the transfer market a veteran center back coming in i mean okay a solid performer but for me it feels like you know Inter are going to go back to sort of being one of those teams that's competitive for Champions League qualification but in terms of sort of a title bid I, I just can't see it. And I think, to be honest, Simone Inzaghi is the ideal guy to have in charge of a team like that because we've seen in the past what he could do with limited resources at Lazio, you know, a team that couldn't really invest that much because they never cashed in on talents like uh, Sergei Savage. savic uh, You know, so I think that, you know, Inter... They're in good hands, but is it enough for them to get back, uh, you know, and really compete for the Scudetto? I'm not so sure, especially if you see guys like uh, Skruna and then, you know, potentially even Martinez
3: at some point moving on as well. When I look at this inter-team, I still think it's Antonio Conte's team. This still has the DNA, imprint, and blueprint of Conte ball and... Conte ball not really working out in the Premier League so far in front of goal but this is an Inter Milan team that has the best player in Syria right now in Lautaro Martinez he is their offensive output and he loves to play against AC Milan. Do not count them out yet. Last time he played against Milan, he was the star of the show and he used his head, which is one of the things he doesn't do as often. But he's a predator in the box. Against Lazio, Lazio were dominant against them. 3-1 surprise demolition of Inter. And I think since getting Lukaku, I think Inter thought, okay, you know what? We have big Ron back. We're just going to stroll to the title. I worry about this Inter Milan team because are they losing their fear factor? Lazio certainly did not fear them. And I wonder if AC Milan will not fear them, but Derby days always bring you a little bit of a wrinkle in February of 2022. Take you back to that date. AC Milan doing the unthinkable, comeback win. Olivier Giroud coming up with two goals to lead the Rossoneri to really that 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 kickstart of their Serie A title-winning campaign. So you never know. These are the type of games that can really take your season to a new height.
2: All right, well, let's quickly do predictions then before we move on very, very quickly. Mike, back to you then, JJ, you jump. What do you you see in the score?
3: I'm going to shock everyone. I think Inter is going to win this one. I think the fact that they have more of a point to prove going up against their rival, I think they'll be hungry. And Latour Martinez, the fact that he loves to play against AC Milan, I think it's going to be the difference in this one.
4: I think that Milan will win. I'm going to be shushing Mike Lahoud on the the next podcast appearance together. I I can see it being tight, uh, but I I think Milan will come out on top. If I had to pick a score, I'd probably go 2-1. Yep,
2: that's what I'm going for as well. All right, well, let's quickly move on here. The Old Firm, by the way, that's Saturday, 7.30 Eastern as well. Tremendous match, of course, of very, very significant in the Scottish Premiership. Celtic host Rangers. And, you know, it's, you know, when you look uh, at how both teams are doing right now, it's back to usual with Celtic leading and Rangers in second, but this has always been a historic game. Uh, Some American influences as well, as of late as well, Jonathan Johnson. So what say you? And by the way, both teams and the Champions League as well. Uh, which is pretty remarkable. Celtic opening against Real Madrid, which should be absolutely (laughs) tremendous. But a lot of Americans in this one, a really big game, lots to talk about. JJ, very quick, the old firm, how do you see it?
4: Yeah, it's uh it's gonna be really interesting. Uh, you know, I, I think I mentioned after the Champions League draw, it's the first time in about eight years that you've got two Scottish teams in the group stage of the Champions League, which is huge. Uh, you know, and it is is a sign of of how much, you know, these two teams have, have gotten their acts together in recent years, especially on the on the European stage. Fingers crossed that uh Postikoglu can now sort of translate that uh, those impressive domestic performances. I mean, we saw them rack up a huge win recently, uh, you know, and, and really compete on the european stage in the way that rangers did reaching the europa league final last season uh in terms of the the americans on show you know tillman uh you know looks pretty exciting so far for for rangers uh you know Sands has been getting uh some minutes as well uh cameron carter vickers for for celtic so you know you've got plenty of talent there i mean Unfortunately for the USMNT-centric viewers here, I'm actually higher on uh, Kyogo at the moment in attack for Celtic. I think he's a really underrated gem, and I think a lot of uh, you know eyes will be on him when the group stages kick off. But I think, I mean, you know, Celtic and Rangers coming into this next week it's the perfect match for them because they want to be competitive from the off in Europe. Uh, you know, and I think if they can have good group stages, I mean, it wouldn't be a failure, uh, you know, to to drop into the Europa League. And as Rangers showed, they can be competitive all the way up until the end. So, you know, old firm on the weekend, then straight into European action. No better way to prepare.
3: That's well said, JJ, because timing is everything to get you ready for Europe's giants and Europe's greatest heights. When I when I look at this matchup, I'm surprised when you talked Celtic, you didn't mention the Transfer from Benfica, Jota, young winger. He's been lighting it up in front of goal alongside Kyogo. And let's practice his last name, Fuduhashi. Try saying that six (laughs) times fast. I tried this morning and I failed. So glad I got it on this pod. You got to do it live. And for Rangers, it's new additions that will be the difference in this game. Antonio Kolak coming in and can't stop scoring. He scored a massive goal across – two or three goals, excuse me, across the Champions League tie against PSV, scoring on the road and scoring at home in Scotland. And whoever gets more of an imprint and puts their stamp on the game, on the Old Firm Derby, their team will win.
2: So let's go with quick predictions then. What do you think, JJ, the Old Firm? What's going to happen?
4: Uh, I'm going to say Celtic to win uh, – I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if it was a draw, Uh, but I, yeah, I'm going to say Celtic win, narrow win. So instead of going 2-1, I'll say 1-0 Celtic.
2: Michael LaHood?
3: I'm going 2-2 draw. They're not going to hold anything back because it's the old firm derby, but with Champions League looming, both teams will have one eye on that and hence why goals will go in, but it'll be a stalemate in the end.
2: Yeah, I'm going with a 2-0 draw as well. By the way, as you mentioned, Mike LaHood, Champions League, baby. Every match, all-in-one play, CBS Sports and Paramount+. Plus. I can't wait for the tournament to start. You can watch it exclusively on Paramount Plus and CBS Sports and make sure that you tune in as well to kego Lasso. We'll have the preview. We'll have the recaps. And it will be fantastic. Another season of the Champions League. There's Karim Benzema, Kevin De Bruyne, and Lionel Messi, of course. Should be a great one. All right. Let's uh, keep moving here. We mentioned there's a lot of grudge game situations going on. And let's go to the Premier League now. The Merseyside Derby, baby. Everton against Liverpool. Uh, Everton got a point midweek, of course. And Liverpool with a very late winner against Newcastle. And now they're facing each other at Goodison Park. Uh, by the way, very quickly, uh, Michael Hood, Arthur Mello to Liverpool uh, closing in, I believe, as we're taping. What do you make of this?
3: I think it's Liverpool's best recognition of the fact that they need healthy bodies in midfield. I think that's why this move is down to the wire and looks like it's going to happen. Ar- Arthur has been almost in prison. In Juve, and the black and white colors looks like a, a, a prisoner, almost, with Juventus sitting there on the bench and sometimes in the stands. So it's a move the player wants. It's a move Liverpool need. In terms of playing style, he's not going to give you that offensive surge. But Liverpool don't really get that many goals out of midfield. He'll be... He could play as that six. He could play as an eight alongside the likes of Fabinho and Jordan Henderson. But smart move. I think Liverpool were finally listening to us on the pod about the need for reinforcements in midfield.
4: Yeah, I mean, for me, I think that this one is shrewd because when you decide that late in the transfer window that you're going to make a move, then suddenly, you know, especially when you're as big a club as Liverpool, that alerts all the other potential clubs like, right, well, if Liverpool come knocking at our door, uh, you know, we need to charge them uh, through the nose. So I think looking for somebody who has the potential to to bounce back, to resurrect their career, uh, you know, but can actually be acquired at a relatively low, uh, low fee, uh, you know, I think that that is quite low risk and especially for the role that Liverpool kind of need him in as well well you know I think there is you know potential for there to be significant upside in that because he'll come he won't be guaranteed to necessarily start but if he can get back to anything like the level that we saw from him when he first arrived in Europe then suddenly you know that is a massive boon and it you know turns into a really really shrewd move then so for me I think that this one you know is is a surprise one that that, that could pay off because you know you've got you know a lot of like the obvious uh, targets where clubs were waiting for a certain amount of money to be stumped up uh, and I I think Liverpool, you know, they haven't jumped, uh, you know, at some of the the more obvious opportunities. They've really, you know, done their homework, looked at who might be able to to fit into to to Klopp's system. And for me, this this one, I think uh, I have a good feeling about it.
2: Well, he's a friend of the show, Arthur Mello. He was uh, part of Kwalasso a-, a while ago. Uh, you know, he's only 26 years old, and
4: he got, you know, got, got more he... got more minutes with us than he did uh, <laughs> last season. <laughs> oh man,
1: <laughs>
2: the same amount of time sitting down. That's for damn sure. <laughs> but actually, that's where I was going because you know uh, we all know JJ and Mike jump in, uh, and we'll talk about Everton in a second, uh, guys. But Arthur Mello, obviously, it's no secret he's been on the bench, like not much minutes, and now he's entering a system a very demanding system uh, from a Jurgen Klopp perspective, you know, completely different in many ways to Max Allegri. So does that concern you, JJ, just his lack of minutes? And also, you know, he doesn't just need to learn a system now. He needs to learn the Liverpool way. Does that worry you a little bit or do you think, no, he'll be fine once he gets settled?
4: No, I mean, I think there's there's a lot to be said for so many challenges, especially for such a potentially high quality player as well. I mean, it's not just in terms of, you know, what he's going to be doing physically, but like mentally as well, like the cultural adaptation to moving to yeah. a new country as well. I mean, the other thing to bear in mind about him is that he has been in two fairly poisonous environments the last couple of years. You know, he's been at Barca, he's been at Juve, neither, you know, sort of in the best of health in the last couple of years. So I think it'll be a real eye opener for him going to a club that is really well run with a coach who's you know very demanding has a very specific idea of how he likes to play uh you know and i think you know really good professionals you know will will react positively to that and i think that he will relish the challenge sure he's going to be short of fitness uh for some time but you know i think the training sessions also the fact that you have so much more football to play in england arguably than pretty much anywhere else with the extra domestic cup action uh you know there will be opportunities for him to rebuild his uh fitness you know has it come too late for him to sort of you know make a a claim for a World Cup place we'll just have to see how how often Klopp calls upon him but uh, you know I think that it will be almost like a a bit like bit of like a rebirth for him
3: when you're a player and you haven't played for so long it's a breath of fresh air and those first couple matches when you get your shot your fitness levels don't really matter because you're playing on pure adrenaline and joy to be seeing the field again I think you'll see that from him and the fact that there's injury woes the fact that Liverpool need reinforcements need a player like him to get fit you'll feel needed you'll feel wanted and and that can really boost your confidence on the ball i i don't worry about Artemelo if he can fit in the premier league it's in transition the la liga is Sometimes can be a transition league, but with Barcelona, he was used to breaking teams down. And Juventus, whenever he got on the field initially, he was used to breaking teams down. With Liverpool, they play end-to-end sort of football, and I think that'll be his biggest need to adapt.
2: Yeah, speaking of woes, let's talk about Everton now. They're hosting this game. I mean, obviously, things are still progressing Uh, Frank Lampard's side did get a point midweek, but now this is a very, very tough test against uh, their Merseyside rivals in Liverpool. Uh, We're hearing, of course, that James Garner is going on loan from Manchester United as well. That should be a little bit of an addition. But still, though, the strike issues remain for Everton, and now they're coming against a very strong side in Liverpool who are looking more confident game by game. Mike LaHood very quickly. How do you see this game? <laughs> Is it just one-way traffic, or because sometimes, you know, the derby sort of uh, aesthetic, the the adrenaline of of being in a grudge match maybe gives you that extra push. But do you heavily favor, just like uh, you know, the odds here? Do you fav- heavily favor the Liverpool side to win
3: this? I, I do I wouldn't say it's gonna be by a heavy margin. I think this will be more of a grind, and it depends on when that first goal goes in. The first goal is going to be key in this match. And since Jurgen Klopp has come into that Liverpool manager role, the first goal has always been key. If it's an early goal, then it's gonna be a route. And I think of if that first goal goes in for Liverpool, you know that new emoji that is kind of like that, where the guy's <laughs> peering through the hands, that's yeah. what we're gonna we're gonna be in for for Everton. You might see a back six for the first time, and for them to have any success in this match, remember how they stayed up in the Premier League. It was being super defensive, everyone back, and leaving Richarlison high. I wouldn't be surprised if they did that in this game. No Richarlison, though, but leaving one striker high and having everyone back in front of the goal, maybe even at the top of the box.
4: Yeah, I mean, this this one I think is a potential sort of trap match for Liverpool in that they could quite easily get caught up in, in the heat of the moment and the emotion because it is a, a rivalry game. But also at the same time, uh, you know, I, I just really struggled to see Everton really hurting them. I mean, Liverpool, yeah, they kind of made a hard work of it against Newcastle the other day, but, you know, you saw sort of Jürgen Klopp at the end, the the reaction, you know, the hunger is still there. They're sort of starting to motor now, especially after, you know, absolutely gazumping Bournemouth and for me, it's it's more like, you know, the, the Liverpool machine has now woken up and, you know, Everton I mean, it's, it's easy for a Villa fan to say that uh, Everton aren't looking <laughs> aren't looking great, but <laughs> Villa are not looking any better themselves. And, you know, I think when you look at some of the players that, that Everton have brought in, I mean, I'm keen to see how Idris Segui readapts to the Premier League. Uh, you know, Ghana will give uh, him options as well. But, you know, I think when you're looking at like where the goals come from, you know, if you want somebody who's going to be scoring week in, week out, Mope is not necessarily the guy, certainly not coming in as like a replacement for Richarlison. I still think that Everton are going to find it difficult, uh, you know, sort of getting themselves out of that danger zone. Uh, And for me, I think the best that they can hope for in this game is is a draw. And if they do, uh, you know, I think that their defence and, uh, you know, the goalkeeper are going to be pretty busy.
2: Speaking of the goalkeeper, Jordan Pickford is always up for it in this game, and sometimes for worse. Uh, you know, we all remember, of course, the big injury on Van Dijk. Do we expect, Mike, uh, for him to let his emotions get, get away from him? Uh, another physical kind of battle? I mean, you can't blame him, right? It's, it's, it's a big game, but, you know, it's been seen in the past that sometimes that can be a little bit of an issue and, and, and cause a few injuries to the opponent.
3: I want to check his playlist because we know he loves house music. And sometimes we all love house music. I know I do. It gets you hyped. And for a Derby game, it can get you too hyped. Uh, Jordan Pickford on his day comes up with just worldies of saves, but that erratic nature in this matchup is something of a concern. Mind you, on the goalkeeping side of things, he's had that erratic presence where it's cost Everton in the end. They just need him to focus on goalkeeping. You don't need to, to be more than you are. Just focus on goalkeeping, make the big saves, and then you can do the mixtape after the game. Nts, 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 nts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean
4: for me i don't think pickford is necessarily uh everton's problem you know he does pull off some saves and it is worth you know sort of somewhere around uh you know the in the, in the 10 point mark over the course of the season uh you know with some of the saves he makes but uh you know i think ultimately that everton's problems are, are further forward on the pitch not necessarily at the at the back
2: all right well we'll see let's let, let's quickly do the uh prediction before we take a break it's a big game I'll start I'm going with a. am with you Mike I think it's going to be a tough one back and forth but ultimately Liverpool will win this possibly 2-1 maybe even 3-1 like that sort of like stoppage time goal when Everton are trying to push for everything what do you think Mike
3: I'm going 2-0 I think Everton is going to grind make it difficult but the fact that Mohamed Salah is being the provider and they have options off the bench and Carvalho leaving it late, Liverpool can grind this out. And I think it could be goal early on or goal in the first half and then goal in the second half to close it out.
4: JJ? Yeah, I'm going to go for 2-0 uh, Liverpool. I'm uh, I, I'm feeling that, yeah, it's, it's maybe going to be a bit tight for a while, but uh, ultimately uh, the Reds will put away.
2: All right. Well, we're going to take a break. When we come back, plenty of matches to discuss. Uh, we'll even go back to Italy as well and some Serie A action as well. And, uh, you know, some final thoughts. And that will be it of our Weekend Preview. Michael Hood, Jonathan Johnson, El Ami, Lasso. Weekend Preview. We'll be right back.
0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill.
2: Welcome back to Que Golazo, our weekend preview. Mike Lahoud, Jonathan Johnson. All right. uh, Before we move on to uh, Serie A, I just wanted to wrap up the, the Premier League. For a second, uh, no, I'm not even going to touch Man City Villa. Okay, so just leave me alone. <laughs> I'm not, like, our, AJ and I, we like it's too much. I, it's too much. I, I need. I a mean, there,
4: there are there are mismatches, and then there's Villa's defense trying to keep Erling and away. Exactly
2: right. Exactly right. So I, I'm not even going to talk about. It. I just want to let's focus on Manchester United Arsenal, Mike. This is mm. uh, this is a big one. It's a, it's a big one for for first of all, Arsenal looking fantastic. Uh, these days, 5-0, and oh, they've won every single game. Everybody's clicking under Mikel Arteta. Uh, as we are taping this, we don't even know how many more additions will come. Yes, we're hearing about Douglas Luiz. We'll see if that's accepted. But Arteta's arsenal, whether new players come in or not, there's no doubt about it. Number one in the power rankings right now in the Premier League. And now they face a the Manchester United side. So that's going to be tricky. Disclaimer, we're taping this before they face Leicester of course, on Thursday. But what are you expecting in this game? Because, you know, uh, Ten Hag needs Old Trafford every Mm -hmm. single time. And so this is Old Trafford now, once again, the 12th man against a very good, a perfect Arsenal.
3: Over the last couple seasons, this has been where Arsenal fall flat on their face, coming to Old Trafford, whether they have a bright start or slow start. And that's been to Manchester United's benefit. And this could be one of those What are we going to see for Manchester United in terms of what type of season is this going to be? Is this going to be where Ten Hag finally gets his players and really that whole group unified? These can be the type of games that tick your season in the right direction. And for Arsenal, this is the first real big test that they've had in this season. When I look at their team... The the surge of confidence is down to the additions of two Manchester City players. Gabriel Jesus looks the real deal, looks like the second best striker in the English Premier League behind Erling Holland, complete player setting up players and also scoring big-time quality goals, but also Zinchenko's addition. There's an air of confidence that having players who have been there, done that, and won Premier League titles on one of the most dominant teams in Premier League history in Manchester City as of late gives the rest of the team. Now, when you go to Old Trafford for Manchester United, it's a tricky affair because the longer the game goes nil-nil, the crowd becomes restless, and that's when mistakes start happening They will be at their best if they hit Arsenal on the counter and keep Ronaldo in the stands, maybe down the street at Sulphur City FC at the local pub because I don't want him on the field.
4: Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that for for, for your take on uh, Cristiano. I, I don't see him adding anything positive to the to the United situation. But on on Arsenal, I think something else as well that's, that's quite underrated in the, the way they've been performing so far this season. Uh, you know, has been the addition of uh, William Saliba to to the defense as well. That defensive structure suddenly makes them so much tighter as well. Uh, you know, and I think that really helps uh, you know to to get Arsenal playing the way that Arteta has always envisaged. Now, when you have got that reliable back line uh, in front of a very talented goalkeeper in Ramsdale as well Uh, you know I think it suddenly makes it so much easier for the rest of the the team to perform and it really feels like you know Arteta's master vision uh, you know for Arsenal is really starting to 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 fall into place and you know I I see them as uh, you know being firm favorites for for this game I mean obviously we don't know how United Leicester is going to play out uh, because we're taping it before that plays but I, I fancy Arsenal for this one.
3: One quick point, and I'm glad you brought up Ramsdale. I think this is going to come down to the battle of the goalkeepers. In this tie over the last couple of years, David De Gea has had some of his best moments saving Manchester United's blushes at Old Trafford against Arsenal. Whichever goalkeeper has the game of their lives and is the goalkeeper we all think they can be on the night, I think will give their team the best chance to win the game.
2: Yeah, should be a really, really good game. Let's talk about predictions here. Uh, Manchester United against Arsenal, historically one of the most important games in the Premier League. Mike Lahoud, heart uh, overhead. What do you think? In uh, obviously, J.J.'s giving it to Arsenal. I'll ask him in a scoreline in a minute. What do you think, Manchester United against Arsenal? Who wins this?
3: Oh man, I, I, I hate to do this to myself, and you got you put me in the clutches when you said heart overhead, but. Ah, 3-2. I'm going to go 3-2 Arsenal. I I think this game comes a bit too early for United. I think they're just getting going. And at the same time, it won't be the type of result that dismays the team. They still need another month before this game comes. So Arsenal are on fire right now.
2: On one at least. Five goals in that one for you. That's good. JJ, you had (laughs) Arsenal winning. What's your scoreline?
4: yeah i'm gonna go for another arsenal 2-1 win uh, i think that they will have enough uh for this I, I don't disagree with mike i think both goalkeepers will be busy but uh for me i can see arsenal running out winners at the end of this
2: yeah every time manchester united faces a, a, a quote-unquote big team right the liverpools they're always so up for it and it requires sort of uh their historic memories of sir alex ferguson to kind of carry them through there's n- new additions here You know, Casemiro, Anthony, this is a very good squad. But to your point, Mike, might be a little too soon for that. Arsenal are just, it's not even just about the individuals, the collective. They look so good. Everybody knows where they want to be. It might be a little too early for United to take something. I think Arsenal remain perfect, and it's a 2-1 result for the Gunners. All right, the rest of the Premier League fixtures before we move on, by the way, check them out on the screen. Some notable ones, by the way, Brentford against Leeds should be a fun one. Another London derby in Chelsea against West Ham. Uh, Nottingham Forest, uh, the meme version of Nicholas Cage on drugs, who's been spending <laughs> so much money. When they face Bournemouth, another London derby in Tottenham against Fulham. Wolves against Southampton, and the game that I said I'm not going to talk about. Brighton <laughs> against Leicester on Sunday, and we mentioned Manchester United against Arsenal. Some tasty fixtures, and obviously Newcastle. Crystal Palace. Lots to discuss, lots to watch in the Premier League. Let's move on, baby. Let's go to Serie A, which you can exclusively watch on Paramount Plus and CBS Sports. All right, we talked the Milan Derby, of course, but Fiorentina against Juventus and Lazio against Napoli. Very, very sexy, Jonathan Johnson. Where do you want to go there? Uh, Some two very big fixtures, even not including the Milan Derby. Where do you want to go?
4: Yeah, I mean, you know, Fiorentina, Juve, uh, you know, classic uh, Italian uh, derby game, and you know, I think it comes at a it comes at an awkward time for Juve because you know they're trying to bed in some new pieces like the Andre Paredes. Uh, you know, they've got the Champions League kicking off, difficult away at PSG next week. This is the kind of game that you don't really you know want to be coming up, coming into uh, you know ahead of a, a difficult week of matches and Fiorentina. I feel they're a little slow starting this season, but they've still definitely got enough quality to 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 hurt Juve. Uh, you know, and I'm I don't know. I'm f- I'm fancying them to not necessarily cause an upset,
3: but certainly frustrate Juve. This is the, the Vlahovic Derby. That that's gonna be the key player. That's gonna be where all the cameras are focused on. I want to remind you last time a player left Fiorentina to go to the evil empire, Juventus, and came back to Florence. Baggio. I think is the guy, the little rat tail. He got ran out of the stadium and Juventus got humiliated. Those fans' cash receipts, they don't forget. And they're getting a former goal scorer in Vlahovic coming back. Vlahovic has been the oh, one l- life. L-
4: luckily, luckily for Juve and Chiesa,
3: is not available for this one. Oh, man. Oh, d- that'd be double trouble. The whole state of Florence would blow up and riot. They chase them out of the bus and out of the town before kickoff. But when I look at this matchup, this is the sort of trap game because it's going to have a lot of emotions. And Juventus are so dependent on Vlahovic's goals. Such a trap game for your your lead striker who will want to have a point to prove. But it isn't as if he's going back to a team that didn't treat him well. He left a team that he was, I think he had, what, 17 goals before he left for Juventus. Those fans will have the biggest role to play if Fiorentina are going to get anything out of this game. Last season, from to, from last season to this season, their top two goal scorers are no longer there. vlahovic gone to Juventus. I think it's Piatek gone. He was on loan, I think, from Pauk. So where the the goals going to come from? It, it might be an own goal that saves the day, but I could see more of a draw in this one. Fiorentina will have to frustrate Juventus in the end.
2: Yeah, after an, uh, you know, a 3-2 victory in the opening uh, day of the season, Fiorentina haven't found the goal in the last four matches in all competitions. That's going to be an issue. And now, to your points, uh, they face their former striker and Dusan Vlaovic. So it should be a good one. I'll probably go with a Juventus win. I think we're all in agreement on that one. Uh, and also, very quickly, Mike, on uh, Lazio against Napoli.
3: That match intrigues me so much because this was a Napoli team that came out firing. The last two matches, stuttering. And Lazio, once they got that 3-1, the manner in which they got that 3-1 win against Inter Milan, I think they caught everyone's attention. The battle of the two strikers, Victor Osimhen and Chiro Immobile, that will be the talking point. And gosh, both strikers are so different. Osman, one of the talks of Europe, his physical presence, his hold-up play, but his ability to be clinical in the box and immobile. Will he be going up against the guy who challenges his golden boot crown?
4: Yeah, and this one uh, for me is is really curious because it's the first kind of like real, real test. Uh, for Napoli, I mean, I guess you could argue that Fiorentina was a was a tough game, but I think I'd put Lazio sort of slightly above them uh, at this moment in time. So curious to see what Napoli, uh, you know, have have got coming into this one, and also as well, you know, Lazio. I still feel that they kind of leave me a little bit cold under sorry from time to time. I don't feel like they've got quite that consistency going that they perhaps should. I know that there's issues sort of surrounding sort of like Sarri's use or deployment of uh, Luis Alberto. So, you know, I think that this one, you know, definitely has the, the potential to be a very entertaining affair. Um, and I mean, I'd fancy a, a score draw for this. I don't know, maybe even a 2-2, something like that.
2: Should be a good one indeed. And as I reminded you, CBS Sports, Paramount Plus, your home for Serie A action in the U.S. Make sure to check it out. All right, let's go to Spain. Let's go to La Liga because something has to give here, Jonathan Johnson. Real Betis against Real Madrid. Both have won their first three matches. Uh, They're looking great. Obviously, we're not that surprised about Real Madrid defending champions, of course. But Real Betis and the Pellegrini, fantastic. What a game here. What are you expecting?
4: Yeah, so this one, uh, you know, obviously a real test now for Betis after making a good start to the season. I mean, I'd say that there's a bit less pressure on them because they're not dropping points in the games, that, you know, that they would have dropped points in last season, but also it's a really big opportunity for them as well. You know, Real will sort of have one eye on getting a, a strong start in the Champions League. I mean, Betis still have a few things up in the air, uh, you know, with with regards to registering William Jose uh, and Claudio Bravo. Uh, I think there was a situation where and even offered to to. Retire in order to uh, in order for those players to be registered for the squad. I mean, I don't know if they're going to find a way to to work it out, sort of between now and the end of the registration window. But uh, you know, Betis, I think if they can get all of those guys registered and be at full strength, then. You know, I think that you know they definitely have the the, the potential, uh, you know, to to give Real a, a test, and you know it's a good opportunity as well for for Betis to come away with you know quite a heartening result and performance. Because let's let's be real about it, you know, a draw for Betis in this kind of situation is uh, definitely not to be sniffed at. If they can be difficult for teams like Real to beat this season, uh, you know, then that will stand them in good stead in terms of breaking into those Champions League spots.
3: There's something about this Betis team that brings back the nostalgia of a former Pellegrini team, the ones that played for the Yellow Submarine, where they had a playmaker in Juan Ramon Raquelme. Betis have their playmaker in Nabil Fakir. They have good wingers, and they have a, a team that's firing on all cylinders in terms of getting goals, but also defensively, Betis look more solid under Pellegrini. And I'm, I'm just getting this feel-good vibe going on in Andalusia, but they're going up against the Dream. Kareem, the dream Benzema. He's alive. He's awake. He's ready. And he can hear the Champions League bells ringing. And that means that he will be up for this match. I'm sorry, JJ. The buck stops here. I got Madrid in this one.
2: Well, Hector Ballerin is also out as well uh, on his way to Barcelona, uh, which we'll be talking in a second. Uh, By the way, some other uh, news from La Liga. So sad. A friend of the show, a ridiculous uh, appearance record, for this uh, striker, Iñaki Williams, uh, an injury blow for him, meaning that he won't be able to start. And Des Norris, remind me the numbers of uh, appearances that, that that he was on his way to. He already broke it. It was unbelievable. But that means that he won't uh, play for Athletic Bilbao this weekend. So those news are done. That, that's a tough one there, Mike Lahuda. Sad to see Iñaki Williams uh, not feature in this one. 236. Matches, uh, consecutive games appearances. Oh. Unbelievable.
3: Uh, it's always a bummer when you see a player just pushing milestones and consistency, professionalism. Uh, I was unfortunate I didn't get to do that as a player because I suffered a lot of injury blows because uh, just it's what happens in the game. But hopefully he comes back stronger. Hopefully he comes back healthier. And he's a key part of what Bill Bilbao are doing. Make no mistake about that.
4: I mean, you look as well at the table if we weren't raving about Betis every episode, we'd be talking a bit more about Athletic Club as well, especially under Valverde since he returned, you know, 7 points out of 9, that's that's pretty good going. And Bilbao they're always a very very tough team to play, especially when you go away from home to the new San Mamés. Uh it's I mean, they're definitely a team, you know, that some of those other Potential contenders for Champions League qualification need to be wary of. The likes of your, uh, you know, your Sevilla's, uh, Atleti Madrid's. It's, it's, yeah, and then they're a tough, uh, a tough cookie to crack. And I think Valverde coming back, you know, that is a, a really good move, both for him and the club.
2: Yep. And that's right, Michael Lahood, He's asking it on the private chat. He committed to Ghana, mm-hmm. which is a great move, I think, for him. Uh, you know, when I, I urge everybody to check out that Keo Lasso interview he was talking about how much he owes his, uh, obviously, his journey and his career to his parents. And it's kind of a as a thank you to, to everything that he knows from his culture. So fantastic stuff. So we should see him at the World Cup if he, of course, hopefully he's ready to go. All right, let's wrap up La Liga for a second. Uh, Sevilla mm. in trouble against Barcelona. And by the way, as we're taping, obviously a few hours left for the end of the transfer window. We have a recap show. You probably already know by the time you listen to this. But there's a few pieces of movements going on with Barcelona. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang on his way to Chelsea, we believe, for £14 £13 million, uh, plus Marcos Alonso. So Marcos Alonso will be heading, which also means, by the way, and also per some reports, apparently there's a big signing yet to be done for Barcelona before the end of the window. I have no idea how they do this. But they're facing (laughs) Sevilla. Should be a good game. I'm expecting either Sevilla to finally wake up, Jonathan Johnson or to flop, and Lewandowski uh, taking advantage of the situation.
4: Yeah, for me, I'm, I'm still struggling to get uh, excited about Sevilla. I noticed they added uh, Dolberg to the ranks on loan from Nice. I mean, he's really struggled for form again uh, in mm-hmm. France over the last couple of years, Great, great player on his day, just doesn't have enough of those days. Uh, and, you know, just, I mean, I, I mean, it's no no intentional slight on Monchi. I just kind of feel like this is probably not going to be Sevilla's, uh, you know, best vintage. Uh, I mean, obviously they have the quality to get back to to a good level. I just don't think that that level is perhaps, you know, the the same level that we've seen over the last couple of seasons. And I think Champions League qualification it's probably going to be beyond this uh, group of players at this moment in time.
3: When I look at this Sevilla team, so much is put and emphasized on what they're doing in the front of the field, but this is a Sevilla team that's been depleted at the back. Some of their key contributors over the last couple seasons are no longer there. The Jules Kounde Derby, Jesus, I feel like every player has their derby this week. <laughs> um, but the Jules Kounde Derby—could we finally get to see him put his imprint on Barcelona? But I, I, when I watch this game, I don't even bat an eye about it. I, when we actually had it on the rundown, I was the first thing I thought about was, what am I going to put in my cup? It'll be Sangria, because Barcelona and Lewandowski would be just <laughs> swishbuckling, <laughs> sip, and 4-0 win. Well, Not you, I think
2: we got to choose Cava instead of anything. Ah, Cava.
3: <laughs>
2: All right, well, let's do the predictions then. You think Sevilla, no chance here, Mike Lahuda. Barcelona takes three points.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Lewandowski, once once he gets going, he's a a difficult man to stop. And the fact that they're not just getting goals from him, they're getting goals from midfield, and everyone seems to be finding their rhythm. And also, on the business end, they're getting players out who don't want to be there. There's more of a lightness about this club, and the project is up and running. I still think they're crooked, though.
4: Yeah, JJ, Barcelona win for you as well? (laughs) Yeah, I I can't see beyond that. I'd probably go 2-0. 2-0
2: 2-0 to Barcelona. And by the way, as the boys were talking, and I'm sure you already know by the time you watch or listen, Hector Bellerin is at Barcelona. And now it's all done, all agreed. A one-year contract with no option for further season. Bellerin will sign until 2023 of June in the next Few hours. It's already should have been done by the time you listen to this. Per Fabrizio Romano, of Barcelona, continue to make some business unbelievably enough. All right. Well, that was it, everybody. Thank you so much for being part of the show. Kego Lasso, part on Twitter, youtube.com forward slash Lasso. Final thoughts from these two fine gentlemen, Jonathan Johnson. Let it out, my friend.
4: Yeah, I mean, just uh, just a quick shout out to uh, to Ligue 1. I know we haven't uh, touched on France coming into this weekend, but some interesting matches. And I think it's uh, going to be hard to look past uh, the southern derby as well between Nice and Monaco. Uh, you know, really uh, two teams who I expected to start the season much better. Better than they the have. rich boy derby, John. <laughs> yeah, yeah boy indi- boy. Indi- indeed, the rich boy derby. But you know, two coaches who are under a little bit of pressure now, and uh, you know, also there's a surprise team keeping uh keeping track of uh, PSG at the top of the table. Lens, another fantastic win in uh, midweek against Lorient. They'll be up against Reims over the weekend, so another team to keep an eye on. And if you haven't seen it already, check out the emotional uh, contract extension had Seco Fafana after that lance win over Lorient. Fantastic scenes quite rare uh, you know and kind of like the the French version of Betis right now in that they're very much the feel-good story. Uh, Ross Barkley going to Nice, that's something that's been rumoured. I mean, Nice picking up some very strange names as well. I think uh, Joe Bryan as well uh, from Fulham has, uh, has rocked up in France. So it's taking me all the way back to when Tyrone Mings signed for Marseille after he'd escaped through a tr- <laughs> dressing room window from Paul Jewell back in the day. <laughs>
2: Random FT, of course, indeed. But thank you so much for the Liga uh, updates and the recap or the preview, more like uh, ahead of the weekend. Mike Lahoud, final thoughts, buddy.
3: Uh, JJ, I think Nice are just cashing in on the receipts of all the players who holiday there and signing them <laughs> whichever way they can. I'm going to Germany. Big game, top of the table clash: Bayern Munich against who? Union Berlin. I love in it. In the it's, the games in Berlin, and could we see an upset? On the cards, Union Berlin without one of their leading goal scorers from last season, Nigerian striker who plays for Nottingham Forest, would try to pronounce his name, but it would sound like I have marbles in my mouth. Not even gonna try and botch that one, but he's a good player, so that one is gonna catch my eye because the Bundesliga need a team to be Bayern just to make it more competitive, and why not Union Berlin? It'd be a massive upset. Yeah. Don't call him P. Whatever you do. <laughs> I thought it was super pitch. <laughs>
2: Definitely do not do that. But great stuff, boys. Thank you so much for the Liga and Bundesliga previews for the weekend. And thank you, everybody, for being part. Of the family, as I mentioned, uh, take a minute to leave us a rating and review for your, you know, of your favorite podcast on your favorite podcast platform. More so we're on Apple Pod, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you listen to your podcast. We're also available as video. So subscribe to us on YouTube. Visit YouTube. Help us get to 25,000. Subscribers, it's unbelievable all the work Lasso does day in and day out. Des Norris, you hardly ever see his beautiful Irish face, but he does it all the time. Make sure that you salute him. Uh, Partido Pooper is his account on Twitter, by the way. <laughs> I've still yet to ask if he's ever received any kind of weird messages just <laughs> from that account name. But Jonathan Johnson, Mike Lahoo, James Mensch, Fabrizio Romano, LME, thank you so much for being part of the family. Uh, weekend recap to come. Much more transfer stories and Champions League next week as well. Have a fantastic weekend. We'll see you next time. Till then, bye bye.